and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown to tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for our and hopefully your amusement. I am your peach of a host, Gary, with my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hi. Are you feeling okay? I guess I'm feeling kind of peachy. Yeah? I guess so. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Hey, Goldie Ann, did I ever tell you my joke about the peach? Mm, no. <laughs> That's good, because it was pitiful. Oh, my God. All right, why are we talking about peaches? Because I well, don't know we don't have any. Well, before we start, well, before we start, I want to wish everyone a happy 2022. Happy uh, New Year. Happy New Year to everyone. We had a very simple and low-key New Year's Eve here at the house. The weather was warm, so we basically watched the live stream of the Disney fireworks and New Year's celebration, and we participated in our my hometown tradition of eating pork and sauerkraut for good luck. Now, we haven't had your tradition yet of the Black Eyed Peas, right? No, it's a little late, so it'll be my fault if we don't have any money this year. Oh, no. We're going to trust that the sauerkraut <coughs> was a good luck, and we're going to look for big changes and a very successful 2022. Cool. Also, I'd like to read a review that we received from one of our followers. His screen name on Instagram is underscore H underscore U underscore S underscore K. So H-U-S-K Husk. He wrote some very nice comments to us through Instagram. And as quoted, I'm gradually working my way through the episodes. Absolutely loving the podcast so far. A perfect blend of banter, information, and humor. Well, you've got a firm fan in Scotland. Keep up the amazing work, and I don't plan on leaving the mist anytime soon. That's awesome. Yeah, that was very nice, and thank you for the nice words. Comments like these are the motivation to work harder on our podcast. If any of you would like us to read your comments or reviews on our podcast, please write a review on the podcast provider you use to listen to us, or drop us a line or two on our social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, pretty much the whole gambit. Before we begin, I want to give a disclaimer that today's episode contains ghost stories that some members of the audience might find a bit unsettling, so please be forewarned. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite stories to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little scared. Listener discretion is always advised. In addition, many of the ghost stories that we'll be discussing today could have been analyzed more scientifically. I could have went over the actual history to determine if such a person existed at that location or if the tragic event that caused them to haunt a place really occurred. However, I decided not to. Why? Well, ghost stories may or may not be true, but when it's late at night and you're listening in the dark, it's more fun to hope that they are true. That's true. Yeah. So we're going to be giving the stories as they are passed down from person to person over the generations and worrying less about what actually happened. The beginning for the hauntings may have begun when the indigenous peoples inhabiting the Georgia coast for thousands of years. The last of them was the Yamakra tribe. They settled on the Yamakra Bluff, which is a large bank on the Savannah River, but also is the location of a Muskegee burial grounds. And the Yamakra believed that the bones of their ancestors contained the remnants of their spirit. 
The city of Savannah is beginning, as far as Europeans are concerned, was in 1733 when General James Oglethorpe and 120 passengers on the ship Anne landed on the bluff high above the Savannah River in February. Oglethorpe named the 13th and final American colony Georgia after England's King George II. Savannah became its first city. Shortly after the arrival of the English, the Yamacraw left to join a more prominent tribe. Today, Yamacraw Bluff is completely contained within the downtown and historic district. That means that the majority of Savannah is built right on top of a Muskegee burial ground. Ooh. And we all know what happened in Poltergeist when you build on top of an Indian burial ground. That's right. That's where Savannah gets all its problems. Possibly. That's why I wanted to bring that up from the beginning. And to make things worse, the city has been treading within darkness since it was founded. Among the most severe was that in 1796, the city of Savannah suffered a catastrophic fire which destroyed 229 houses and 146 other buildings. There was a terrible death toll. Wow. After that, there was even a worse fatal fire in 1820. What the heck? This fire broke out in a stable and subsequently destroyed 500 buildings by the afternoon. Once again, the number of people killed left their spirits to wander the streets of Savannah, a shell of their former lives. Before the fires, there had even been an epidemic of yellow fever. The disease ravaged the city and there was no known cure for it at the time. So all they could do is hope their immune systems was good enough to survive. Around 700 Savannah residents died from the disease, and most were placed in a mass, unmarked grave. The disease would return in 1854 and 1876. Many more lives were lost by disease before medicine was advanced enough to combat it. These two catastrophes don't even begin to calculate in the tragedies of slavery or the Civil War. There are so many reasons for the deceased of Savannah to not go into that great beyond, but to remain behind and haunt the living. It's no wonder why Savannah is a ghost city. Wow, so, okay, I see Savannah as this romantic, beautiful place, but no, I'm just kind of creeped out. Well, Savannah is... a lot of death and destruction. Well, Savannah is a southern belle among cities in the United States, but behind that is a dark history and a lot of hauntings. In fact, if we were to take a tour of Savannah, there would be so many haunted locations to choose from that we could never accomplish them all. For today's podcast, I've selected a few of what I thought were the most interesting, but definitely not all-inclusive. We begin with Chapter 1. The 1790 Inn and Restaurant. The building is actually a combination of three buildings all joined together. It is named after the year 1790, although the inn and restaurant were actually constructed during the 1800s. The name was meant to be nostalgic for a romantic notion of a quaint wooden little boarding house. In 1790 was the year of the election of the first mayor and city council for Savannah. So the building and inn was named after a period where Savannah became a, a city of its own outright. Right. There is much that haunts the inn and restaurant, but the most famous of these is Anne, who has multiple versions of her ghostly tale. I combined many of the most common ones into a single legend. 
it begins with a steel white who was a very wealthy older merchant in the city who also owned the 1790 inn however he was not a very well-liked man he was mean and cruel which kept many of the city's eligible women uninterested in him in fact he found it impossible to find a wife but he was determined to have one with, Sorry. No. I thought you were going to throw in a comment. No. I, I was, you know, kind of thinking of, you know, the whole Brutus thing. <laughs> he definitely would be described as a Brutus thing. With money, anything is possible. So he worked out a deal to purchase a child bride from Ireland and have her brought to Savannah. Gross. Her name was Anne, much like the ship that brought the original settlers to Savannah. And she was remarked as being very lovely and less than happy about the arrangement. I bet. She did not want to be the wife to such a man as Steel White. Full of the Irish spirit, the girl would refuse his lecherous advances, which resulted in her being locked away in her room. It was his intention to keep her captive in the room until she grew to love him. Yeah, because that works. Instead... Anne would watch the people come and go along the streets of the city below from the window of her room. It was while she looked out at the freedom that she could see, but not obtain, that she saw a handsome sailor walking past. She couldn't help herself, but she called out to him. The man stopped and peered upward at the beautiful girl in the window. They began to have a conversation. Anne discovered that the sailor was not only handsome, but also very charming. Though he had to leave that day, he promised to return on the next. She awaited the long hours trapped in her room for his return. The next visit was even more enjoyable than the last, and she enjoyed his stories about all the places he had been and all the things he had seen. This went on day after day until Anne realized that she was in love with the sailor. Therefore, the two planned to run off together in secret. However, Steel White discovered the affair and utilized his influence to have the sailor arrested on false charges. When the young man did not return to Anne day after day, she became despondent. She incorrectly believed that the young man had abandoned her and that she was doomed to a life as the wife to the cruel man. Her despair became so great that she hurled herself out of the window to kill herself rather than becoming property to such a twisted man. From that day on, the still despondent ghostly Anne haunts her room, which is now numbered 204. She can be seen sobbing and weeping before disappearing out the same window. Cool. Are we going to stay there? <laughs> I knew that was going to be your first comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've read, it is a very popular room and would need to be booked out way in advance. Yeah, so are most of the other rooms we get. True. So if this is someplace you want to go, we're going to have to look months before we take a trip to Savannah. Yeah. Staff of the inn report that the ghostly Anne seems to enjoy with messing with people and their belongings. Guests who stay in room 204 regularly report having their things messed with rearranged, or sometimes even disappearing. Like my hair clip. You're referring to the hair clip in, from the room that we stayed in in which uh, city? St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Yes. yes. She stole my hair clip. So a ghost in the St. Augustine stole your hair clip. She moved it to the bathroom. Wow. Anne seems to have the same affinity. 
In fact, Room 204 has become the center of much of the spectral activity occurring at 1790. Management, even at one time, had a waiver form that guests had to sign before they could stay in the room. The waiver stated that guests who stayed in room 204 would not be issued a refund if they left the inn abruptly in the middle of the night. Well, that's understandable. I'm not sure if they still do it, though, but if they do, it would be kind of cool to actually sign a document saying that you won't let ghosts scare cool. you out. <laughs> Guests who rent the room have reported feeling a feminine presence in the room and have also reported that Anne likes new technology. She has apparently enjoys playing with the light switch, even waking some guests out of a sound slumber with her habit of turning the switch on and off in the middle of the night. That's cool. So people who come to Savannah hoping for an encounter with a ghost ask to stay in room 204. Those hoping to have an encounter with the ghost they call Anne are often not disappointed. In addition to Anne is a boy-like ghost named Thaddeus. Thaddeus is usually encountered on the ground floor of the building. This ghost is very interested in playing with pennies, as most boys would be. It seems that he especially enjoys leaving his shiny pennies placed on tables, bar, and windowsills. He is a very friendly spirit and people experience a warm, unexplained presence whenever he is near. The restaurant, however, does have a ghost with a less friendly nature. She is supposed to be a voodoo practitioner who is supposed to haunt the kitchen. She does not appreciate people interfering with meals are being prepared. There are reports of clinking bracelet sounds, but if this spirit is in a particularly bad mood, Pots and pans are thrown to the ground, as well as spice jars being thrown at the unsuspecting kitchen workers. She does not hesitate to let her presence known, especially when her temper is up. The inn even has a journal within each of the rooms for guests to document their ghostly encounter with Anne. That's awesome. Yes. So you can go into the room that you're staying at, right. and you can look through the journal to see what other people's encounters have been through the years. That's cool. So maybe if we go, we'll be able to put our own entry into there. Yeah. I guess that'd be one of the ones I stay up all night recording again to see if I get anything. <laughs> so a whole night of no sleep. Yep. But just you, record. But you'll have a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, we know what, how, what I'll do. Sleep. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to sleep. However, while awake, we could take a trip to Bonaventure Cemetery, Chapter okay. 2. Bonaventure is an incredibly beautiful cemetery described as a natural cathedral, and it is located three miles from downtown Savannah along the Wilmington River, lending a haunting atmosphere to the many elaborate and ancient monuments are tall oak trees that are enveloped in Spanish moss that overlook all of the paths. The land was first purchased in 1762 by John Mulrain. After the Revolutionary War came to an end, those loyal to the British, such as Mulrine, began to face persecution and his land was seized by the local authorities and auctioned off to the public. Eventually, the property changed hands another three times until 1907 when it was officially acquired by the city of Savannah and declared a public cemetery. It is now home to many beautiful monuments to the memories of loved ones. Among them is a famous sculpture of Gracie Watson, which has elicited fantastic stories of a child ghost called Little Gracie. 
Now, Gracie Watson is the daughter of Wales J. and Frances Watson. Originally from Massachusetts, she was born on July 10th of 1883, but died only six years later on April 23rd, 1889, which was two days before Easter. Her cause of death was pneumonia, and although she lived a short life, she still had a huge impact on her family and those around her. Her parents ran the Pulaski Hotel in Savannah, and little Gracie would often play in the hotel. She entertained guests by dancing and singing songs and practically became the unofficial greeter for the hotel as well. She knew every inch of the hotel and was known to play through the hallways and under the back stairwell. Her parents and those that were around Gracie would be devastated by their loss. Childhood mortality rates were very high during the time, but that didn't soften the blow for the loss. Her parents lost a wonderful, energetic child. Due to the death at a young age, mixed with their parents' sorrow and love, they hired a sculptor named John Walls. He was commissioned by the father to represent Gracie in the form of a statue to be placed in Bonaventure Cemetery. Using only a photograph of little Gracie, John Walls could feel the love that the parents had for their daughter and the joy little Gracie had brought to many lives. He put this into a life-size and photo-accurate representation of Gracie. Now, there is a statue of her that sits in the middle of Bonaventure Cemetery. Hmm, that's cool. And it attracts a lot of attention from people that come to visit the cemetery. Visitors will leave items for Gracie, whether it's flowers or even toys for her to play with. It is said if you remove one of her playthings, then the statue of Gracie will start to cry tears of blood. Another local legend says that if you place a quarter in her hand and then circle around the statue three times, the quarter will disappear. <laughs> now because of these legends and the effect of people touching or manipulating the statue, there is now a fence that circles it to protect the statue of little Gracie. That's good. Now, lively in life, lively in death. Some things just never change. And Gracie Watson's behavior upholds such a saying. Little Gracie's spirit has been seen playing in the Johnson Square, running through the bushes and greeting with people as they've come through the cemetery. Seemingly, when she is seen, it is by someone sitting on the benches of Johnson Square. Her appearance is described of a little girl wearing a white dress. The legend also claims that she vanishes without a trace if you get too close. After her death, her mother and the Pulaski House staff claimed to still be able to hear her laughing and playing. Her parents became so saddened after her death that they not only left the Pulaski House, but moved from Savannah itself. Now, the Pulaski House has since been torn down, but the spot where the hotel used to sit still has many sightings of ghosts and potentially even Little Gracie. So what do you think of little, the ghost of Little Gracie? I don't know. It's not as interesting as the first one, that's for sure. The uh, suicidal, despondent wife ghost? Oh, yeah. Well, Those are always favorite. <laughs> okay. As opposed to the little child ghost? That's too depressing. Uh oh, well, I'm sorry for being depressing. <laughs> Death is depressing. How shocking. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bonaventure is also the setting backdrop of the book 
and later moved me, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil by John Barrett. One of the characters of that book actually existed. Minerva, the voodoo priestess, was based on Valerie Fennel Aiken Boyles, who utilized the soil from the cemetery because of its spiritual power in many of her incantations. This has led to the practice of many visitors collecting souvenir soil from Bonaventure. Okay. Chapter 3, The Moon River Brewing Company. Ooh, let's go there. That's what we're working on. <laughs> the original building served as a hotel when it was constructed in 1821. It was made to be the city hotel, catering to the rich and famous who wanted to visit the beautiful, quiet city of Savannah. Sadly, the city hotel closed in 1864. This was a little before General Sherman took Savannah during the Civil War. The city hotel never had the chance to reopen after the war, but it has seen a few owners. Savannah had seen many yellow fever outbreaks over the time, and the building was used as a hospital in housing for yellow fever victims. It is estimated that hundreds of people, mostly children, died on the upper floors of the building during these fever outbreaks. The Moon River Brewing Company saw the potential of such a beautiful building and decided to buy it and set up their business. Since purchasing the building, the brewery and its patrons have seen their fair share of ghosts which have only added to the rumors of the building being haunted. First off, there are hundreds of children who died of yellow fever. And though it was mostly children who perished, many adults also died on the top floor of the brewery, leaving behind their ghostly presence. There were some incidences during its time as a hotel which have also left behind their mark. One of the most violent was a shooting of a known town vagrant. According to the legends, in 1832, a doctor by the name of Dr. Philip Minus shot a drunk man named James Stark inside of the then hotel. Both Stark and Dr. Minnis were part of the upper class of Savannah. Dr. Minnis was a surgeon in the U.S. Army, while Stark was a Georgia legislator. The two men did not like each other and never failed to let each other know that. The feud began at the local horse track, where Stark called the surgeon a Jewish ethnic slur. Stark's racist comments continued over the weeks with Stark declaring to his friends that Dr. Minnis was not worth the gunpowder it would take to kill him. The duel was caused by a game of horseshoes where Dr. Minnis was accused of cheating. The doctor demanded an apology which he received at the time, but it was later retracted when Stark was in the presence of his friends. Minnis was told to let the matter go but there was talk behind his back calling him a coward for demanding but not receiving the apology. Minnis wrote to Stark demanding an apology or he would have, quote, the satisfaction which one gentleman should afford another, a duel with guns. Both men called for the duel, but because of scheduling conflicts or miscommunication, the duel did not occur. This led to both men calling each other cowards for their failure of the duel. On a Saturday, Dr. Minnis received word that Stark was at the city hotel. He armed himself and rushed to the bar of the hotel. Minnis called Stark downstairs, and as the man approached, declared Stark as a coward. Stark reached into his pocket as he advanced. 
Minutes took quick aim and shot the man through the chest, killing him instantly. Stark was a mean drunk and troublemaker who had a reputation for insulting people and being hated by the people of Savannah. Yeah, let's just shoot the people that are rude. Wow. <laughs> in this case, the doctor insisted that he had seen Stark going for his gun first and therefore had to shoot him. Of course. He was quickly acquitted of the crime as Stark was not liked in the town and Savannah needed a doctor. Wow. The Politics rumor- at its finest. Exactly. The rumors held that it was not a case of self-defense, but an unpunished murder. Reports of the angry man haunting the brewery continue as he is known to cause more trouble and death. Hmm. Many people believe that Stark is the reason that many of the liquor bottles are thrown. And there are also those who believe he is the reason for some of the more violent reports of grabbing, hitting, and pushing that people experience while inside the brewery. So just pushing them just out of the blue? (laughs) Yes, there are reports of people feeling like they've been shoved from someone behind, but when they turn around, there's no one there. Wow. There was also another act of violence while the building was a hotel that took place in 1860. The Civil War had not yet started, but there was already a clear hatred for Yankees in Georgia. (laughs) One such Yankee by the name of James Sinclair came into town and decided to stay at the city hotel. The residents of Savannah were furious at the thought of having a Yankee in their midst and tried to pressure the man into leaving the town, but he refused. The anger and hate of a Yankee in town were enough to cause a mob to form in the streets of Savannah. The lynch mob marched through the city and into the hotel. They grabbed and dragged Sinclair into the street outside of the building, where they stripped him down and beat him. Sinclair barely lived through the incident, but he was beaten near enough to the point of death that a violent experience may have people believing his spirit returned to enact his revenge on the people of Savannah for that attack. Wow. So here we have another very angry ghost inside of the brewing company. Every floor of the brewery has some sort of ghostly activity going on. Many of these ghost encounters are actually experienced during visits and tours of the brewery. The building is one of the few places where people on ghost tours have reported supernatural experiences of their own occurring during the actual tour. That's cool. Arguably, the most famous ghost of the brewing company is Toby, Uh who is often seen wandering in the basement. I've seen that movie. I don't know this movie. (laughs) Paranormal Activity has a Toby in it. He's the bad, 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 bad. Okay, well, this Toby is one of the ghosts that the staff sees enough times that they decided he deserved a name. Toby is known to brush up against people playing in the billiards room, or he gets frustrated and pushes them. There are many indications of his presence to include sudden coldness or bottles falling or even being thrown. So Toby controls the basement. Right. The main floor is where the dining room is, and there have been a few patrons who have said they have felt someone touching them while they were eating, but no one was around them. Hmm. Several women have also complained of being cold in the bathroom or actually being locked in a stall. <laughs> Stark usually gets the blame for most of this behavior due to his nasty reputation. Great, so now they're watching us go to the bathroom. Hmm. 
Okay, so it gives all new meaning to the word creeper. Yes. There's also a full-body apparition known as the woman in white who has been seen on the third floor several times by many different people. She is one of the most well-known ghosts of the brewery and is sometimes referred to as Mrs. Johnson. Wow. It's not known the place. Yes, it's not known if she was a nurse who helped treat patients with yellow fever or if she was a victim of it herself. <laughs> the third floor is also one of the floors where many children died of yellow fever. This means that it shouldn't come as any surprise that many of the workers and patrons report hearing children talk and play on the third floor. When even the people who run the brewery are talking about hearing children running in the halls, you know there is something going on. In the 1990s, there was construction being done on the third floor. During this time, the wife of the foreman was pushed down the stairs on the third floor and fell all the way down the staircase. She was shoved so hard that it was obvious that she had not just simply fallen. The foreman immediately stopped construction on the building and left. Several other people have reported feeling people pulling or pushing on them while they walked the stairs of the brewing company. This particularly takes place on the third floor, which many people argue has the most aggressive spirits in the building. Wow. I guess where we're going. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that the stairway has handrails because I will be holding on with both hands going up and down now. <laughs> Like I said, you have a couple of angry ghosts and you have a couple of sad, depressed children-like ghosts who could be playing pranks. Right. It's hard to know what's who's causing the trouble, but the Moon River seems to have its fair share of it inside the facility. I'll have to see if Katie went there. That's good to ask. Katie is our daughter who spends a lot of time taking trips to Savannah area. We haven't really asked her about her experiences with ghosts in the haunted savannah, so I think this would be a good opportunity for us to catch up with her after this episode. Absolutely. Now, could the history of the city be a magnet that attracts spirits staying after death? Or could it be the result of building upon the burial land of ancient tribes? Each location within Savannah has its own stories to tell. You have from woman who commits suicide rather than marry an evil man you have a little girl who dies of pneumonia and then you have ghosts who are mistreated by others and even murdered all of this combines to ghost stories that every building in savannah seems to have there are far too many stories for us to do justice to them all in one episode However, it does give you an indication of what could await you if you are adventurous enough to dare to walk the streets of this ancient city. We will definitely return to this subject for more ghost stories on a later episode. Absolutely. So what are some of your final opinions about Haunted Savannah? Well, I mean, I've always wanted to go to Savannah. You know, like I said, I hear it's beautiful and romantic and haunted. I mean, it's just quite the girly place to go but after hearing some of this it just doesn't feel real safe <laughs> well we will just have to take our chances and visit uh, carefully visit carefully <laughs> you know well, kind of makes us think about you know St. Augustine maybe we should do a podcast on them 
I absolutely have plans on it. Well, being sure to exit the hauntings of Savannah, I suppose this is a good time to make our way out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. We want to give special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for the introduction music. For those who want to learn more about the Haunted Savannah, be sure to check out these books. There's Haunted Savannah, America's Most Spectral City by James Caskey. This is the one that I use the most. It's fully revised and it details over 40 of Savannah's most infamous ghost stories. He combines exhaustive searches of the historical archives, detailed analysis, and first-hand accounts of spectral ghosts. Hmm. Even some of them he had himself. That's awesome. So see, he did the research for you. <laughs> this is true. So for those of you who want to know the research backstories for a lot of the ghost stories in Savannah, this would be a good book for you to read. There's also Historic Haunts of Savannah by Michael Harris and Linda Sickler. They navigate the chilling world of those who refuse to leave their Savannah homes. And it also has a great collection of stories of the supernatural. Hmm. Other than books, I would also recommend the Scary Savannah and Beyond podcast. This husband and wife team of Brad and Crystal live in Savannah with a love of the paranormal side of the city. They have the ability to visit the sites and speak with the locals about the urban legends and stories. They love the area and have experienced many stories that they share with their listeners. That's cool. <clears throat> exactly. So they do a weekly podcast about different locations in Savannah and the ghost stories behind them. Huh. They research ghost stories, legends, and true crime, bringing them to their audience in weekly installments on their podcast. And I just recently listened to all of their episodes so far as they're pretty brand new. I can't recommend them enough, and hopefully we'll get in touch with them for more uh, stories about Haunted Savannah. That's cool. In closing, we would like to ask you to please leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this podcast on to help promote our show. We are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with ghosts of your own. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter, plus we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com. This is for any of you who would like to share. We love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. We hope you enjoyed our stories about ghosts and hauntings of Savannah, and we'll come again for another episode. Please spread the word to your friends who would enjoy listening to our tales about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. Until then... Make your way out of the mist safely and perhaps a little bit more curious. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. See you next time.